Deep in God's Word is a Bible study for women. Each month, your host, Cindy Colley, will discuss the study highlights and answer some of your questions. You can find more information about the Digging Deep Bible Study at thecolleyhouse.org. Now let's grab our shovels and dig into the meat of God's Word. Good evening and welcome to the November edition of the Digging Deep podcast. We're going to be talking tonight about our rescue that we have available many times because we are a part of a fellowship. Our rescue by faithful brethren who keep us accountable, who keep us encouraged, who keep us motivated, and in those ways keep us out of the devil's clutches on so many levels and on so many occasions. We're really happy to have Lauren Wakefield with us tonight. I think this is Lauren's first time. Now tell us, is this your first time to do the study this Mm -hmm. year? It is. And how's it going? It's keeping good. up? I am keeping up, surprisingly. Good. good. So. And Lauren has a tough time keeping up because she's the mom of a three-year-old. Three-year-old. Is three, old isn't he? two-year-old. Okay, so Miles is three, mm-hmm. and Esther is two. two. I thought she was still just one. Did she just she's tur- turn? just turned two. Okay, so her hands are full. She was telling us that the major drama tonight is they ran out of ketchup, and they were trying to trick them into thinking that barbecue sauce was ketchup. (laughs) And I think it worked for one. For for Esther, yeah. For one of them. Miles is a little smarter. Okay, well, the... um, the drama that that happens in the home with a two right. and a three-year-old. And they're so close in age that I bet uh, it's a constant competition, is it? Yes. No, I mean, competition for my attention, competition just for toys, sharing. Mm. So it's, Wow. It's, it's interesting. And well, good. Well, she's married to Chris, and Chris is one of the... Now, not a counselor. A what? Is, what do you call him? His week of camp. He's a director. He's a director at Maywood. Mm-hmm. So I know that there are some moms out there of Maywood kids, and there may even be some Chris's week. But Chris and Lauren are not just involved in that, but family Bible week and just uh, everything they're asked to do. They're busy doing. Chris was my. Sunday school teacher this quarter along with another one of our guys and did an excellent job as we talked about the Psalms. So I'm really delighted that we have Lauren with us. In just a minute she's going to lead us in our prayer. I just want to thank you for not just for being here tonight but for the tremendous amount of time that many of you are putting into the study for the evangelism that's going on. I hear, I was telling Jennifer just before we begin, I I hear uh, constantly from areas all over the world where women are gathering to watch the podcast and women are studying together. Uh, This week, I think I've heard from Canada. I've heard from the um, many of the countries in South America, especially the Spanish-speaking countries. They've just completed their second podcast, and Jackie Ratana is working on, I think she's traveling 300 miles this next month to do a podcast with her partner for the Spanish-speaking countries. So we have groups in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, the South American countries, both Alaska and Hawaii. We are just 
amazed constantly at the providence of God and the power of his word. We have a brand new sister in Elizabethton, Tennessee. Think of her name, Jessie, Jessie Yates. And we are, I was talking to Kimberly Pinedo earlier today and uh, or I, I guess I got a letter from her and she was telling me that she is just faithful and has not looked back and her husband was baptized this week. Okay. So, and she found us through just Googling the church. She found our group and, and it was easy then for our ladies to reach out. And so we're very happy because if that is the only good thing that ever comes out of this study, yeah. it is so eternally worth it. Um, I, I mentioned that I heard from Kimberly today. Look at this. This is um, a birdcage. And Kimberly's daddy, brother Dempsey Jordan, is a jeweler, and they sent me this Pandora birdcage today because of our escape. Yeah, because of our T-shirt and the birdcage. And, and I was very excited about that. What a great, what a great surprise. So we are going to dig right into our study after Lauren leads us in a prayer. Let's go ahead and say, though, that our next podcast will be January 9th. That's a Tuesday night. Now, listen, we're skipping the month of December. You'd like for us to do that because you're busy during December. And so we are, we're not skipping the month. We're having the podcast early in January, and then we'll have one at the end of January. But I want to challenge you to make it through the holidays. You know, study real hard right now. Study real hard the beginning of January. Study through the month of December as you can. But let's don't lose a bunch of people during the holidays. That's a real temptation. It's a temptation for me because we just get very busy. So let's remember priorities and um, let's try to, to make it through to the new year. And we will be glad that we did. Okay, Lauren, will you lead us in our prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, um, we come to you tonight with um, just thankful hearts that you've given us um, today. Um, it was a really pretty day today, so we're very thankful for that. And we're thankful that we could be here tonight and <clears throat> study your word. And we're just hoping that um, that good comes from this, that... <clears throat> And then even if, like, souls aren't saved from it, at least they're touched where they're thinking of it. And, um, <clears throat> sorry. And we just thank you for Cindy for putting this all together, for having people like her out in the world <clears throat> who want to touch this many people's lives and who, are, who have the um, motivation and the talent to put together studies like this for that, for that purpose. Please watch over and take care of everyone out there who's watching, and please watch over and take care of us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, uh, Lauren led our local study, what was that, last Thursday night, I think, mm -hmm. our local study, and so she's going to have, I know she's going to have lots to contribute tonight because she's probably way ahead of me in the study. We're going to start... In Colossians chapter 1, which says, and, and it is there on the first page of your study, giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who's delivered us from the power of darkness 
and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I love the word delivered there because it's our synonym for escape. Mm -hmm. And what it's telling us there is that God took us out of darkness and where he set us down is in the kingdom of his dear son. So why is it important, Lauren, that he took us out of darkness and put us in a and kingdom is rather than just saving us individually? Why is that important that we're in groups? Because people, well, I mean, for me, like, people need people. Like, it's a lot easier to do something by yourself. Um, I mean, I'm a kind of a stubborn, independent person sometimes when I, I, I can handle life. But, mm -hmm. you know... When it gets to, I mean, it's really hard when you do it that way. So I think God gave us, like, you know, and tried to set up the church, too, with other people. So it's easier. Like, it is easier because of some of the things that we mentioned, accountability, motivation, encouragement, people. Now, I know that there are some people who, are, who have um, mental disorders who want to be hermits, but normally mm -hmm. people need people. I was just listening to... Uh, Kevin Moore, who is one of the professors of Bible at Freed Hardeman University, and was listening to him on the way over, as a matter of fact, on the Polishing the Pulpit um, thumb drive, and he was talking about mission teams and how, you know, he was supposed to give the pros and cons of being a team right. when you do mission work, but he had hardly any cons mm -hmm. and almost all pros because, uh, for one thing, you know, if somebody gets discouraged and quits, you still got a group. The work goes on. If someone um, is weak and is, doesn't have a propensity for personal evangelism, well, another team member would have that propensity for personal evangelism, and maybe that person wouldn't have a propensity for public speaking, and this person would have a propensity for that. So it is... Um, a value in full in fulfilling roles and Paul talked about that when he mm -hmm. said everybody can't be the eye some people are going to be the foot and some people are going to be the hand so it's it's a variety of roles and the ability to fill those roles because we're in groups it's motivating each other it's um study buddies it's you know groups like digging deep where we motivate each other and we use each other's wisdom in our group, we rely on the wisdom of each other. It's accountability. Um, recently, uh, some of my sisters came to me and said, you know, Cindy, I think you're wrong about this. Let's talk about this. I love that. I want that because, you know, the ultimate standard is this, and it's wonderful that I have you, Lauren, and other sisters all around me who are willing to uh, be in this word and come and talk to me when they think that maybe I've misunderstood something or maybe I'm not applying it correctly. What a wonderful safety net. God took us out of darkness and put us into the safety net that is the kingdom of his dear son. So that's what basically our study is about this month. Do we have any comments already or no? Um, I'm not sure you have your list there going there. Okay, you keep looking for that, and we will begin then in Genesis chapter 14. And Genesis chapter 14 is where 
and is this just supposed to pop up for her, Jen, where she will see the a chat bubble? We don't see a chat bubble. I'm not sure we're in the right place. So if we don't have one tech difficulty, we'll have another. But she'll get that fixed for her. Okay, Genesis 14 is where we're going to be. And we're going to start by talking about Abraham doing battle. And who was Abraham rescuing? Abraham was rescuing his nephew, Lot, in Genesis chapter 14. Because... Um, the enemies had come, five kings had uh, made an alliance, and they took Lot, verse 12, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped, verse 13, and told Abram that they had taken Lot. And so, verse 14, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his house, 318 of them, and followed them to Dan, divided himself against them by night, smote them, pursued them. Bottom line is, verse 16, he brought back Lot and all of his goods. So, this is an early rescue story from the book of a physical rescue, but there are some spiritual lessons that we can learn from that. The first thing in verse 14 is that Abraham enlisted, we're, well, sometimes we'll still call him Abraham because it's hard for me to, to revert back to Abram, but Abraham enlisted help in rescuing Lot. That's in verse 14. He recognized, verse 20, that God was the one who had done the, the delivering. Blessed be the most high God who has delivered. In verse, verses 18 and 19, he was blessed by the priest for that delivery. Um, and what, who was the name of that priest? Do you remember? The big old M word, Melchizedek, yes. was that priest. And the Bible calls Jesus... A priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, which means he didn't have uh, an identifiable father and mother, wasn't of the tribe of Levi. He was the priest of the Most High God, the King of Salem, in verse 18, and he was blessed by that priest. I'm, I'm coming to the spiritual applications for us. He wasn't in it, in it for himself, verses 22 and 23. He was unselfish in the escape. He said, I don't want to take a thread, even to a shoe latchet. I'm not going to take anything that's yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. So he wasn't in it for goods for himself, and he wanted only glory for God in verse 20. So when when I take that short list, how many of those things are true of our spiritual obligations and rescues to our brothers and sisters right. all, of, all them, of them all of them are we think about um he enlisted help lauren is it true that if you see me walking away it would be good for you to go to the elders of the church and say help me mm -hmm. help me it's not good for us to gossip about people but when souls are involved whatever it takes right you know we're going to enlist help we give the glory to God because God is the one who does. We don't say, oh, look, I saved you. I'm, right. I'm so important. I came and got you out of sin. Right. I can be a mouthpiece for God, but God is the one who does the delivering. Uh, are we blessed by the priest? Mm -hmm. And our, our priest is Jesus. Yeah. We have a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And when we rescue one another, we are blessed by the priest. Um, he wasn't in it for himself. He wanted the glory only for God. 
And that is so true of all of us as spiritual rescuers. So do you have comments about Abraham yet? Do you have anything? No, we have lots of hello still. Okay. So then in um, Genesis 14, it says, List at least five things that we can do to help ensure the rescue of lost loved ones around us. What would you get for that, Lauren? Um, well, I kind of, I myself just kind of came up with a, a longer list than five. But some of like, live the example um, be diligent and don't make compromises. Okay, that is a, a very important one. Don't make compromi compromises in your own personal life because you're going to be ineffective at rescuing people who are outside the Lord. Good. What else? Um, let's see. Have knowledge of the Word. Um, you know, everything you do, make sure it's in love. Um, and then um, I stole this one from Lindsay the other night, but um, know each other and then just be aware of their, you know, their struggles. Okay, you know, so knowing you know each to, other is yeah. important. And as a matter of fact, Lindsay came to me the other night. I don't know if we're talking about the same Lindsay. I think we are. But she came to me the other night and said, um, this has been going on in my life. And I really appreciated that because I, um, I think it is important. How can we pray for each other? How can we specifically know how to minister to each other if we don't really know each other as a family? So the, all those are really important. I um, put ask for help from others. If I see you going astray, Lauren, and I don't think I will, but if I should, you would want me to go to Chris and say, okay, how is it, her husband, how is it that I can help her? Or to go to the elders and say, you know, I'm worried about Lauren give me ideas. Have y'all talked to her? You know, mm -hmm. we enlist the help of other people. Pray. I think you said that one. Just mm -hmm. be in prayer for each other. Learn to teach the gospel. If you don't know how to go to a soul who's completely outside the Lord and share the gospel, then shadow someone who's, who's doing that. And, um, you know, not just study the word, but also practically go to someone who is teaching someone the gospel and say, can I go with you? Because that's an excellent way to learn to reach other people. Bring God into conversations with people who are out there in the world. You know, just this week I was checking out in the grocery store and um, I got a ton of meat. A lot of meat and a lot of bags of potato chips for a Bible bowl. Mm -hmm. I had all this stuff, and this lady said, what kind of a team do you provide the food for? <laughs> and so it was really a good opportunity to say, well, my husband's the minister at the West Huntsville Church, and I gave her this card and invited her to study. And I said, um, and she wanted to know where our building was, and I told her where our building was. Well, what are all these chips for? And I told her about Bible Bowl. What is all this meat for? And I told her that I just love our family and the Lord, and my husband likes to smoke meat through the holidays and give it to people in the congregation, people who might not have enough or, you know, we're having that soup drive right now for kids in school. Just bringing God into the conversation and then leaving a card that says, want to study the Bible? We'd love to study God's plan for salvation with you. And then it has our contact information. So that is a way that we might be rescuers to people. Distributing materials, just leaving, um, you know, there are lots of places where it's perfectly legal to leave um, tracks, mm -hmm. AP materials, um, leaving, distributing those materials is a, a great way to introduce people 
to introduce a rescue for people who might be outside of God. And then just finally, I had asked for studies. Just go up to people, especially people who are visiting the services, and say, would you like to study the Bible? That is exactly how um, we began with Nuri Reyes, just mm -hmm. going up and saying, would you like to study the Bible? And it is surprising to me how many people might say no at first, but then as they continue visiting, mm -hmm. They might come around and change their minds and see that, you know, she really does care about me. So all of those things are just ideas for being the Abraham to go and rescue the lot. Now, do we have comments? We do have some comments. Um, so Carrie Epling, um, her, some of her suggestions, pray for them, write letters, um, letters and cards, study with them, encourage, invite them to church. Um, Wait a minute. Now, Carrie, you are the one who studied with Jesse, I think. So... It's, let's listen to this girl, you know, let's listen to her. I just got a lot of them. Um, love them, support elders, take someone with you. Um, I guess, you know, so it says support. Be a good example, get to know them personally. Um, we've got uh, Guinevere Orman, uh, references Galatians 6.1's, restore and warn with meekness. Um, she also says, thankful for the safety net which I'm thankful for the safety net, Me too. too. Uh, Carrie also says, give them a Bible, don't give up, hold them accountable, stir up love and good works. And then um, that's And Genevieve is a great person to listen to also because she is just constantly having studies with groups of women, just one-on-one, one-on-two. She is one of the best people I know at just saying, do you want to study the Bible? And Genevieve, go ahead and type in there for us. Um, I think that you use often... Uh, why are the DVD that's Why Are There So Many Churches, which is a great introduction to people who might be out, outside the church because that's a big question for our country today. Why do we have 3,000 different churches? They believe and practice all different things. So that is a great way to start a discussion from the Bible, and I think that's something that she often uses. Okay, we're going to move on because we're going to run out of time. But the next one is read Ephesians 6 and highlight the portion about the whole armor of God. We're not going to talk for a long, long time about this because if you've listened to the digabits, a couple of those have been about the armor of God. But we will speak just uh, very briefly about each one. The first one is the girdle of truth. And it is just a girdle. It is uh, not a girdle like... Um, <laughs> you know, make you look skinny, but a girdle, <laughs> like, girdle like you put around your waist, and the flowing Roman robes would be bound up so that they would not trip over the flowing robes, is the way that I understood it as right. I was studying it. And so when I think about that, it is, it, it is what binds us to righteousness and truth. It is a value system or a system of integrity that we have that keeps us from tripping up when the temptation comes. It's something that you've got in place long, it's a value system that you've got in place long before the temptation comes mm -hmm. so that you really are, are bound. Now, that doesn't mean you won't sin, but you're bound to do the right thing because of integrity that you've got, had going mm -hmm. on for a long time. So that's the girdle of truth. And then the breastplate of righteousness covered the neck, all the way down to the thigh. Um, it's important to remember that it covered that important heart, right. the, what pumps the blood through. 
And if there's a hole in the breastplate, the devil will find it. If there's a hole, you know, sometimes just fighting the, the enemy out there in the battlefield, if there was a hole, his dart might not hit the hole. But the devil's real smart. Mm-hmm. And his, his dart will hit the hole. I think about characters in the Bible like David, man after God's own heart, but he had this hole right. when it came to women. I think about Peter who was uh, the great apostle of Acts chapter 2, but he had this hole, which um, shortly before Acts chapter 2, he had a, f- a fear that made him deny the Lord. Think about Judas. There had to be a lot of good things about mm-hmm. Judas, but he had this hole, which made him betray the Lord. So remember this part that covers neck to thigh, which is, righteousness which is holiness which is purity in our lives try to make sure that you're covering all the bases there and that you're not just looking the other way and saying well yeah i i read these books that are are kind of trashy or but but i just enjoy them so much i have to really be careful they have a lot of bad language in them you know that's not pure so you're you're making a hole there or yeah i i I try to be holy i I go to worship all the time but there's this television show i'm addicted to and it's getting a little raunchier and a little wrong we have to be careful because that's not holiness that's leaving a hole there and the devil knows where the holes are we'll do one more and then we'll see if we have uh, comments your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel go listen to the dig a bit if you didn't about that because you know i i use a cute little thing about um some people wear flip-flops and what that is some people wear loafers and what that is but this this preparation of the gospel of peace was not just the sandals or the footwear but it was greaves which are were um like metal boots sort of that went fastened on up to your knee so it was giving you this firm foundation and that's what the gospel does this is the gospel this is evangelism this is taking the gospel to people in the initial place in the first place when they are lost and so that is foundational to any of the other armor because obviously if we don't have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace we're not going to help people be holy. We're not going to help people be righteous. We're not going to help people have a value system. Mm-hmm. So that that is very important. Do we have comments about them so far? Um, <coughs> uh, let's see. Not. We got one. We have to guard our hearts with God righteousness. Um, this is from Stephanie Kenyon. Sorry. Okay. Good. Um, not a, so we have to guard our hearts with God righteousness, not a self righteousness. And which makes us or makes for a weak breastplate and makes us vulnerable. Um, and then above that, Genevieve or sorry, Genevieve, sorry, Genevieve. Um, the what must I do to be saved by Don Blackwell? Okay, just a quick Another note one. to what you were asking her uh, right. before. Okay, all right, good deal. Thanks, Genevieve. Okay, the next one is the shield of faith, and the shield is the only. Well, the sword is the offensive movable weapon, but the only defensive weapon that moves around is the shield. And it was a wooden or a metal circle or shape that had leather stretched across it. So it was uh, the movable defense. So you could 
protect all parts of your body. Wherever you saw the dart coming, you could move that. And also, it, it could move, like if I saw a dart coming toward you, mm -hmm. I could do this if right. you didn't see it. And I could keep the devil's dart from assaulting you. Right. And so it is the only defensive part that we can use really. Well, we use them all to help people, but we can step in with our faith based in our study of the word because Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I can step in with this and say, Let me let me protect you. This this is not good. Let's let's study this together. Okay. So I can move that offensive shield in front of you to keep you from having the the devil's dart to hit you and I want I want my sisters and brothers to do that for me. That is why we are in a body. So the shield of faith and um and I wanted to finish up I had some oh, here they are. The shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Uh, the, the helmet of salvation, the helmet was brass or leather and it had this big decorative plume so you could tell what team you were on. Right. You know the world should be able to tell what team we're on. That right. we are saved people. That we are set apart from the world. And um, it, the helmet of salvation is the hope of salvation. Uh, I remember one time when Glenn was uh, just beginning to preach. And it was really easy for a young preacher to go into a congregation and see problems. And say, I've got to fix this problem. I've got to fix this problem. And he was talking to one of the elders today, one day. And this elder said, um, give them hope. Don't forget to give them hope. You know, we can put out fires for so long that we fail to concentrate on the ultimate goal, which is heaven. Mm -hmm. So this this helmet of salvation is is hope. How hard would it be, Lauren, to fight in a battle if you didn't think you were going to win? That'd be very hard. That'd be very hard. And that is what happens in wars when... Um, one side or the other loses heart, becomes discouraged, um, and that's half the battle. So it, we, we want to hold on to our hope. And I love the helmet of salvation because I think it relates uh, just directly to 1 John 1, 7, which says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness or sin so that is it it keeps us if we walk in the light the blood keeps us saved I love that helmet because it's keeping my head where it's supposed to be it's keeping it's it's protecting the the brain center of my religion it's keeping me knowing that I've got a goal. I can make it there. I'm not lost and saved and lost and saved and lost and saved a bunch of times in one day because the blood of Jesus Christ is continually cleansing me. And that is my head protection. That is what keeps me full of hope, full of confidence that I'm on the way to heaven. And it protects that it protects my spiritual thinking. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. No, it does. And then the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the only offensive. We've been talking about defensive 
things that protect us, the helmet, the shield, the breastplate, those shoes, all those things protect us. But the sword of the spirit is this, and it is the offensive part. It makes me able to say, Lauren, uncomfortable things, things that are counter to the culture in which we live because I'm not saying them because God is saying right. them. So it makes me, you know, sometimes I get this real fear if I'm writing a blog or I'm talking at a ladies' day and they've asked me to address something that's not popular. Right. And it's really easy for me to say, does this feel right? Is this going to hurt someone's feelings? Is, are they just going to shut me down if I start saying this? Are there going to be negative repercussions in my relationships? All those things matter. Mm -hmm. But if God's Word says it, and I'm sure that I have the backing of God's Word, if I just ask, does the Bible speak to this situation? And if it does, then I'm not afraid right. because i got the sword. This is the sword. Okay, Lauren, check and see if we have comments about any of those things. Well, would you? Um, so, Caitlin Epling, um, as far as the helmet of salvation, says, tell them how you are saved, um, breastplate of righteousness. Um, be an example, or, oh, okay, sorry, I'm getting you, Caitlin. I think she's saying yeah. tell, tell them yeah. how you are so, saved. So, <clears throat> helmet of salvation tells... <clears throat> Help tell them how New York tells you how you're saved. Breastplate of righteousness is being example, belt of truth. Show them the truth and take the stand. And the sword of the spirit cut their hearts with the word. Okay, I think what, what Caitlin is answering is the question about how each one of these parts of the of the armor of God helps rescue people. Right. And that <clears throat> is good, Caitlin. Thank you for making those applications. Um and then she's got um, on here the shield of faith, help them believe, and then choose of the gospel, give a defense. Um, and then, um, let's see, Stephanie Keenan. Um, we have to know how to wield the sword, 2 Timothy 2.15, understanding that it is a weapon of retribution against Satan, but not against members of the church, especially when trying to win them back. So, and then she's referencing Ephesians 4.15 there. Okay, I think what Stephanie's saying is that the sword is, a sword is destructive, mm -hmm. but I think that she's saying that um, we use that sword against sin, mm -hmm. but I think that, and we will that sword even, you know, we use the book in trying to win people back, but I think she's saying the retribution, the vengeance is, is always God's. And so we use the sword, we bear the sword responsibly right. and use it as the weapon that God wants it to be to win souls. Okay, yeah. so. okay so the next one is about Miriam and how that, um, in, in Numbers chapter 12, she let jealousy rear its ugly head and, and God gave her leprosy and Moses went to bat in prayer for Miriam, interceding for her. We could talk a long time about that. But when was the time in Miriam's life? Do you remember the time in Miriam's life when she um, went to bat for Moses early on? Remember? Okay, so this is one we kind of struggled with in okay. the discussion group. But we all kind of agreed that like maybe one of the times 
there was one time I came up was with um, when she washed out for him when he was little. When he was a baby. Water. Yeah. And then when <laughs> there was a need for somebody to raise him, we needed a Hebrew to raise him. Right. And she was the one who said, oh, I'm going to step up to the plate and go see if this can work. Okay. And that was really ingenuity for uh, that was an ingenious thing for a little girl right. to do. So she went and made sure that Moses was raised by his own mom, a Hebrew. And so she interceded for him. And then later on here, we see him interceding for her. And God said, okay, I'm probably going to misquote this, but she, if she had spit in your face, is that, what, is that what it was in Numbers chapter 12? Let's look real quick. If she had just, I think it was spit... I'm going to make sure that I say this right, though. In Numbers chapter 12, um, verse 14. Okay, go ahead and read that for us. Um, and the Lord said to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut up out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. Yeah, and um, so Aaron... Um, Moses cried to the Lord, heal her right now, God. Please heal her right now. So that was his intercessory prayer. And, and God said, no, if her father had spit in her face, she'd have to be shut out of the camp for seven days. And so um, it's very interesting there that God answered the intercessory prayer, but he didn't give Moses exactly what he was asking for. And so my question was, is there, um, are, are there Christians in our lives, people in the church, for whom we're going to go, to go to God in prayer and say, God, please help this person to resist the, this temptation that I see coming their way. Can you think of examples of that? Where? Where we would go to prayer, for, go to bat in prayer for each other. Um, I, I see it in my marriage all the time. I mm -hmm. see things coming our way as um, you know because I know what's going on in Glenn's life and maybe it's someone that he's counseling and this person is really um, tempted to um, let's say uh, th this person is the marriage is breaking up and Glenn is counseling with them and I see my husband after so many attempts wanting to just give up and wanting to say, I can't help you anymore. Mm -hmm. And I go to God in prayer and I say, Father, please give him wisdom because these are children that are involved. Right. Please give him forbearance. Please give him patience. Please help him to be able to help this marriage. See, what I'm getting at is that there are relationships in in life, not just in our marriages, but in congregations where we're going to go. I'm going to go. Tell me about your kids. Do you go to God in prayer for Miles and Esther? And what might be a typical thing that you would ask God for them? Um, there are a lot of things, but, I mean, as far as spiritually, you know, I do pray that, you know, they're grasping, like, are they comprehending what, you know, we're teaching them at home and what we're teaching them at church? Um, just because you have those few moments where, like, like, one day, we're, like, we're coming home from Bible class, and you say, well, what did you learn in Bible class? And Miles says, well, we learned about um, Noah. Okay, what did Noah do? Well, he was a shepherd who took care of sheep, and he lived in a barn with baby Jesus. And you're <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> well, you know. And so, but then the next day, he's, like, talking, and we're coming to, you know, guts. <clears throat> and he's saying, we're, you know. Okay, guts, y'all. <laughs> 
what does that stand for? It stands oh, for growing up together. Growing up together spiritually. spiritually right. It's okay. Good. Homeschool it's an acronym here that right. she's using. We Sorry. go to guts. Okay. Anyway, so he's like, we're going to school today, and I said yes, and he's just like, it's at the school building, and I said no, it's at the church building, and so, be that being said, like then he says, well no, he's like, the church isn't. A building, it's the people that mix it so up. So he is getting it. So then you're just like, Pete is getting it. But those are the moments where, you know, we're talking about Noah living in a barn with baby Jesus. And, you know, you're just like, you know, please help them understand, you know, what, why we're Christians, how that can, you know. So mm-hmm. you, those, that's a prayer of intercession mm-hmm. right there. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's really good. And I, <clears throat> I do that for my adult children. I pray that, um, I mean, Every single night before Glenn and I go to sleep, we pray by name for our adult children, for their spouses, for the um, particular obstacles that are in their lives at this time, and then by name for Ezra and Colliana that they're growing, Our your kids and Ezra and Colliana are growing up in a world Crazy that world. is attacking faith. Mm-hmm. It is... Um, it, it is as if the devil has pulled out all the stops and he is deliberately driving a wedge between the hearts of our children and the Lord. And he's putting every form of evil he can and making it look really good between our kids, our grandkids, and the Lord. And so we have to, as parents and grandparents, we have to stand in that gap and say, Lord, give us wisdom that we will be able to penetrate and and that wall that the devil's trying to put up that we'll be able to continually don't don't let their hearts get hard. Don't help us to know what it is that will keep their hearts malleable. It's really easy after you go to Bible class to go get something to eat, to visit with all the people that are at the, all the people that are at the Mexican restaurant, to go home and say, "Okay, everybody in bed," and never say, "What did you study about?" But we know that's and and the devil loves that. The devil loves for us to get so wrapped up, even in the good things in this world, to get so wrapped up that we never have time to petition God intercessorily for our kids. Or to talk, communicate to our kids about what we're praying about. So it's so important that, like Moses in this case, we look at the people we love and we say, God, please help. He was praying a physical prayer, but we pray spiritually. Please, please help us to protect their hearts so that one day they can be around your throne. So the next one, do we have comments about that? I'm sorry. Um, I'm just skip right over. Well, I know we okay. have some great parents listening, so <laughs> give us your wisdom. Uh, let's see. Um, so, let's see. Let's start here. Vicki Yoakum, uh, this is from Grace. We are normally good at giving our sisters compliments, but find it more difficult to bring up some things that they might need to work on or help with. Um, Phyllis- and, and that is Galatians 6.1. Mm-hmm. You who are spiritual, restore them in the spirit of meekness, which means I know I'm not perfect. I know that I make many, many mistakes, but I'm going to be bold enough to humbly say, let's look at this in a lot of the scriptures. Right. Okay. 
um, Phyllis Ole, and start praying for your children to marry a faithful servant of God. Uh, Christine, Before they're born yeah. would be a good time. <laughs> uh, Christina Odom, I pray for my college-age kids to keep the faith and purity all the time because I know the Lord is with them more than I can be right now. And then Sherla Oren, good point, Grace. I need to pray about that. Very good. Very good. All right. Choose 10 favorite one another passages from the New Testament and make a note of how each one can be helpful in our escapes from sin. For time's sake, I'm going to do one. You do one. Okay. And, I, and, and then, ladies, if you want to tell us yours and why, um, I, I actually wrote 10 down, but I'm going to do um, Ephesians 4.2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And I just wanted to say that the, I think the way that that passage, that one another passage helps us, is when it says forbearing one another in love. Forbearing means you're put up with ability. Your ability to put up with stuff that bothers you stuff that annoys you how much stuff can I put up with that really gets on my last nerve when it's my family and the Lord if we can do that we can avoid division we can we can stop we can use we're going to talk about James if we can get there and using our tongue but we can stop using our tongues to divide and we can start using our tongues to unite if we can just decide that you know what annoys me about that person I might have something that annoys that person ten times more if we can just put ourselves in the background with meekness, as it says there, lowliness and meekness, saying it's not really important whether it annoys me or not. What's important is whether or not this person is on the way to heaven. And if we can do that, then we can escape division. Okay, what's your favorite? Okay, I picked um, James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And um, just, I like it just because I always need a reminder that that's what I need to do, like, you know, to help myself and to help other people. Because I'm, I'm a very, I keep everything to myself kind of person. Mm -hmm. I know my rambling hasn't <laughs> said much, but. Yes, you well, But um, anyway, just. I think if, if, if it helps, if it helps me to do that, it's got to help my brothers and sisters out there to help, you know. And so if I'm if I'm confessing to them and having them pray for me, then it's going to make them easier for them, and I know that's helping them. So I just kind of. I think what you're shooting here for is authenticity. We've we've got to be real with each other, and understand that we're not perfect people. That's one of the challenges of. Um, of being a teacher and I know that James as we're going to get to says let not many of you become teachers my brethren knowing that as such you shall receive the greater damnation mm -hmm. so that's a real that's hard yeah. because if you're going to teach then your the standard is higher mm -hmm. and, and and that that's a reality from the book of James but at the same time, you know, those of us who are teaching Galatians 6.1 are supposed to have this spirit of, it's not about me. And 
I, I got a letter this week from someone who said, I want to apologize because I don't always agree with you and I, I've bad-mouthed you to sisters, I think she said to my mother-in-law, I've said things that were kind of nasty about you and she gave me a couple of examples and she said, but although I don't necessarily agree with everything you say, I just want to say I'm sorry and I appreciate your work. You know what? I love that heart. And please don't agree with me. Don't agree with me. Agree with this. And don't, you know, don't ever apologize because you don't agree with me. It's not important that you agree with me. It's important that we both agree with this. And you know what I said to her? I said, um, you know what? If I had to go back, I think the blog started maybe eight years ago, nine years ago or something. If I had to go back and read everything I wrote then, I wouldn't agree with all of it. I'm sure I wouldn't agree with all of it because we all grow and in matters of judgment, we change. And my husband walked in the room and I read him what she said and he said, just let me answer her. I don't agree with you. <laughs> you know, it was just really kind of one of those moments. But you know what? It is, it is so important that we be authentic. And I think that's what you're saying, that we yeah. confess that we're not perfect people. And here's where I mess up and help me and pray for me. And, and I want to I wanna do that. We all need to do that. And both of our passages said that lowliness and meekness forbearing one another in love confess your faults one to another and pray that you might be healed I love that I think it says that you might be healed mm -hmm. does it say that uh, healed uh, yeah one another that you may be healed I love the healed part because it's not just that you can be forgiven we can be forgiven but I love that we can be healed mm -hmm. we can we can get well from guilt right I love that. And then I love the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much in the context of me telling you what I've sinned, what my sin is, asking you to pray, knowing that I can be healed, and knowing that your prayer before God is going to avail much for me. Right. It's pretty powerful. It is. And I like your verse. Very good. Do we have comments? Let's see. Um, Sharon Cochran says, I agree completely that the devil is working overtime to capture the souls of our younger generation. And then Hannah says, what was the first she just, oh, so I just quoted um, James 5.16. Is she asking you where it is? Uh, yeah, about putting up with stuff that annoys us. Oh, oh that was not Ephesians 4 verse 2. Ephesians 4 verse 2. And I don't, you're not asking about your husband, are you, Hannah? I mean, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Maybe he's not, um, maybe he's got Ezra and Colleanna right now and he's not listening. Okay, um, read 1 Samuel 11, who was rescued here and by whom. Um, this, this generated a lot of comments on the page. And I'm going to just say, if you didn't get to, go read the blog for today because I just kind of tried to assimilate my thoughts about this um, particular instance in the blog today. But the question was, who was rescued by whom? And the answer, the short answer is, 
that there was this King Nahash of mm -hmm. the, who was an Ammonite, yes. and who was he going after? He was going after, Nahash was going after the, the Jabesh. Jabesh Gilead. Gilead. And I looked at the map, and here's the Jordan River, and over here is um, half-tribe of Manasseh who, who wanted their land before they went across the Jordan. And in this half-tribe of Manasseh, we have um, Jabesh Gilead. Uh, Gilead was a region. And so Jabesh was in Gilead. Part of Gilead was in Manasseh, and part of it was in Gad, I think. But this part was in Manasseh, so it was Joseph's uh, inheritance. Ephraim and Manasseh were Joseph's kids. And so this Jabesh Gilead was over here on this side of the Jordan. And the first thing that we know about them is that they messed up. How did they mess up? Do you remember? The Jabesh, yeah, the first mistake. They didn't. They go. didn't come with. Uh, they didn't help the Israelites fight the Benjaminites after their mis their mishap. Yeah, the Benjamites <laughs> abused this concubine and uh, a Levite's concubine. Right. They abused this concubine, and it ended up that this concubine got cut into pieces and sent all over the nation, and the nation was outraged, and God sanctioned this war against Benjamin. Now, Benjamin's this little piece of land. Benjamin didn't get a lot. It was a small tribe, and it's over on this side of the Jordan, and the the men of Jabesh Gilead were the only men in the whole nation of Israel that didn't show up for that battle. So that happened in the last of the book of Judges. Right. Okay, so then in 1 Samuel chapter 11, we're 11 chapters later, if you skip Ruth, which really happened during the Judges, we're 11 chapters later. We are, and you and I both have looked at this, we are something like 50 years mm -hmm. To maybe a possible outside possibility of 300 years away from what happened at Jabesh Gilead the first time. When these guys didn't show up for battle, then God commanded that Israel go and destroy Jabesh Gilead. And all of them were destroyed at that time. All the married people were destroyed at that time. There were only okay. some virgins. Right. that were left and some children that were left. But the men and the married women were destroyed at the end of the book of Judges. So we've got 50 years that pass at least, and it, it could be up to a couple hundred years, maybe even three. But this time elapses, and we get out of the period of the Judges, and it's time for King Saul to take the throne. It's right before he's going to take the throne. And the Ammonites come in on the young city of Jabesh Gilead. Now we know that, you know, 50 years, we're just gonna really be a young city. 300 years is still gonna be a pretty young city to have been just completely wiped out. Mm -hmm. So the Ammonites come in on Jabesh Gilead and, and I looked at Ammon too, and it's right there in that fork between the Jordan and the, I think the river Jabbok right down there, right beside Manasseh. And so these um, Ammonites come in and attack Jabesh Gilead. And Jabesh Gilead, and they say, come on and you can be our servants. Just make a league with us. And, or actually they ask, can right. we be your servants? Right. And what was their stipulation? Can um, you remember? 
It's about they, their eyes. I was going to say, yeah, they said, well, you could ask, um, or you can, but we'll poke out your eyes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, your right eyes. Your right eyes. We, you can be our servants, but we're going to have, we're going to poke out all your right eyes. And so Jabesh Gilead said, give us a week. Let yeah. us see if we can figure out an answer here, what we want to do. And so Saul then gathers his army together and goes and fights Ammon and rescues Jabesh Gilead. So my question here was, Jabesh Gilead had not shown up to help Israel. Probably, I'm thinking, just 50 years before. Um, and so was what was Saul's tact toward them? He didn't say, well, you didn't help us, so I'm, we're not going to help you. He went to rescue them, and um, maybe maybe 50 years between the two, but he did not let their slothfulness in fighting the battle hinder him from rescuing them. Now, some very interesting things, and I hope that you'll, you'll read the blog about this, but um, think about who was the most famous Benjamite coming up here. It's about to be the king. Remember King Saul? Saul? Yeah, he was a Benjamite. Think about this with me now. Benjamin, um, a few years before Saul was going to become the king, messed up with the concubine, and all of the men were killed. Saul grew up in a culture where all the men had been killed. Really? So then he becomes the king, and he has um, this horrible lack of maturity as the king. He has a horrible lack of morality, a, a violent sense. Was that because there was a lack of male leadership in Benjamin because of that destruction? Probably so. Probably so. And then we think about how those those Benjamite, um, the men that were left, needed wives. Okay, let me get this right. And the wives for the Benjamites came from Jabesh Gilead, right? Mm -hmm. So Jabesh Gilead, these virgins that were left after, after the destruction of Jabesh Gilead were brought over, 400 of them, for wives for the Benjamites who were not killed. Saul's going to go rescue Jabesh Gilead. Was he rescuing them because maybe his mom or his grandmother or his great-grandmother and all of his aunts came from Jabesh Gilead? He has some really interesting questions there because there was an affinity between Jabesh Gilead and Saul. And we see that again when Saul died. And he was in battle, of course, against the Philistines. And, um, it, and this was in, um, oh, where are we, when, when he died? 1 Samuel 31, verses 11 to 13, we have Saul and his sons mm -hmm. dying in the battle. And their bodies were just left on this wall at Bethshan. Right. And who went to get them? Jabesh. The Jabesh Gileadites loved Saul enough, even though he died a, a poor man, a wretched man in the eyes of God, they had an affinity for him too. He had rescued them. Mm -hmm. So they go get his body and bring it to a tree in Jabesh Gilead mm -hmm. and bury it. Now David moves it later on. Right. 
But they went and got his body and, and buried it, gave it sort of a proper burial, not for a king, but at least they buried the body. So, Judges chapter 21, the, the tribe of Benjamin messes up big time, and the women of Jabesh Gilead are given to them for wives. 1 Samuel chapter 11, Jabesh Gilead is in trouble with the Ammonites, and Saul whose mom may have come from Jabesh Gilead, goes to rescue Jabesh Gilead. And in 1 Samuel 31, Saul is killed in battle, and Jabesh Gilead comes to get his body and bury it. So read the blog. Read the blog for today because there are some lessons, just some real general lessons about the progression of sin that you can, that you can read from the blog, and I think it will... Um, Maybe shed a little bit of light on Jabesh Gilead. All right, comments. Um, I'm not showing any right now. Okay. All right, we are going to uh, have to choose now what we are going to talk about. Let's just quickly say in Second Samuel nine, um, David said, "Is there anybody in Saul's house that's left that that I can ha- that I can show honor to?" Isn't that great? Because um, Saul hadn't shown any honor to David. Yeah. And David still, looking back on the king, feeling bad still right. about how things played out between him and Saul and says, is there somebody you can honor? And who was it? It was Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth with Jonathan's son, right. who was crippled in the last uh, battle that right. Saul and Jonathan were fighting. And he was, uh, and, and David said, go get him. He can eat at my table for the rest of his days. I will restore Saul's riches to Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth's quote, what was his quote about a dead dog? Do you remember that? Um, I don't. It is uh, in 2 Samuel 9, verse 8, and it is, What is thy servant that you should look on such a dead dog as I am? All right, let's just think about it, Lauren, and this is probably going to be the last thing we get to talk about. But we are lost people mm-hmm. crippled spiritually no hope left for dead spiritually right. and the king says is there somebody that I can honor by letting them sit at my table and Jesus the he is the king of kings finds us and says you can eat at my table from now on and shouldn't all from our lips shouldn't we all be saying who am I I'm a dead dog why do I get to eat at the king's table Mm -hmm. and we are the Mephibosheths of the modern day with spiritually speaking with our King Jesus okay I think what we're going to do is um ah there's so much I want to say um I think we'll, um, I'm going to have to do lots of dig a bits, I think. I think we'll just close with saying in 1 Kings 1, Solomon's throne was about to be taken away from him, and Nathan worked through some very influential people Mm -hmm. to save Solomon's throne. Remember who those people were? Bathsheba and David. Bathsheba. And the prophet Nathan and oh, David. Sorry. Yeah, David was in Nathan, the bed there okay, with gotcha. the with the concubine, with the um, the virgin, and his son 
uh, was was trying to take this kingdom. Adonijah was trying to take this kingdom away, but it was really going to supposed to be Solomon's. Right. And so Nathan, the prophet, worked through Bathsheba and through David. You're right His, to save yeah. the throne for Solomon. You're exactly right. She said um, Nathan called Bathsheba and said, do you realize they're trying to take the throne away from Solomon? Mm -hmm. Or Bathsheba called Nathan and said, they're trying to take Yeah, control. so he went to Bathsheba and said, hey, do you know what's going on? And then so mm -hmm. she went. And then he so said, I she need you to, to go to David. Right, so she went to David then and said, hey, do you know what's going on? So And David said, the throne is going to Solomon. So Nathan was smart enough to work through Bathsheba and David to save the throne for Solomon. And we'll close with this. I want to say one more thing, though, because we are going to talk about this baby. Um, I want to say, though, that everybody, everybody has somebody that is very influential in their lives. You think about it in your mind right now, Lauren, you have somebody, don't you? You have somebody who is a spiritual giant in your life who is very influential. I can think of two or three people who are very influential to me. My question is, I would, I would uh, guess that if you're listening tonight and you're thinking of the person that is hugely spiritually influential, and maybe this was someone from your childhood, you probably haven't all told that person. You probably haven't 100% of you gone to that person and said, do you know really how, how big your influence, how much of my heaven is dependent on you. Probably not all of you have done that. So think about it this way. If you are that influential person for someone else, then that person probably hasn't come to you and said that. But just because no one's ever said that to you doesn't mean that you are not that influence, that great harbinger of spiritual things to someone. So you should keep it in your mind that you are that to someone. And so that's a great responsibility for all of us to realize that we may not be getting a post-it note that says, look how much you've influenced me, a card in the mail, an email, a text that says you are that person for me. So we better just be that. We better be solidly wearing the armor of God, using every tactic that we can to be influential in the lives of other people. I wanted to talk about Jeremiah. I really wanted to talk about Acts 9 to 17, particularly in Acts 9. I found 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. In Acts 9, I found 10 instances of people who rescued other people, and some of them weren't good people. God can use bad people to rescue too. And, so, and then in James, um, it's not hard to find in those chapters, those passages. Um, I'm going to say mine real quick. James 1.27, take care of the widows. James 2.1-9, treat all the brethren with honor and not respect of persons. James 3.17, put this, what's in James 3.17, in your tongue instead of that deadly poison. 
James 4, 1 to 4, determine to forsake the devil's system around us, the world. Stop being like the world. And James 5, verse 20, which is what you talked about before, confess to each other and pray for each other and go to those people who are in sin and rescue them. Quickly, tell us what your five are from James. What'd you get? Oh, mine, um, so I got Ask for Wisdom. Um, chapter I'm one. Swift to hear, slow to speak in chapter one. Um, chapter two, just, you know, love your, um, love your neighbors. Um, show partiality, um, you know, to God. Don't show partiality. Yeah, don't, yeah. yeah. okay, gotcha. Um, chapter three, be careful of your words, because um, they're very powerful. Uh, chapter four, you need to be humble. And chapter five, don't grumble against one another. I love it. I love it. Okay, before we have our closing prayer tonight, we are going to remember in our prayer some brand new parents. And these are the parents of Luna Gray. And Luna Gray is really special. Are you seeing her? Can they see her? She is really, really special because her grandmother is Jennifer Benavides. And she's one of the youngest grandmothers that I know. She is one of the most beautiful grandmothers that I know. But look at this baby. Are you scrolling? Are, can they see some pictures of this baby? Now, I knew that this baby was going to be pretty because Kristen Benavides Owen... We won't talk about Mark, but Kristen Benavides Owen is one of the prettiest women, yes. isn't she? One of the prettiest women you've ever seen. And so we've we have this new baby, and it's I was scared to pieces that when this baby came, we we're gonna lose our tech person, because you know I'm a grandmother, I know how this goes, but so far she's hanging with us. And um, I, I, she, she paid me $25 tonight. Just, no, she did, not. <laughs> she did not. I begged her to pick out these pictures because I wanted you to see this pretty baby, Luna, L-U-N-A. And I think that, doesn't that have mean about the moon? I think there's something yeah. about the moon. And um, Gray is just a name that they picked because they liked it, but that's a beautiful name. Um, and she is, I saw her close up yesterday in worship. Well, not in worship, but right. in the hallway. And she is spectacularly beautiful. She is. And we are going to um, remember that family as we pray tonight. And we're so thankful that we uh, have not lost a grandmother here in our tech. In, sitting behind this, this desk over here, we are very thankful for the job that she does. And you guys, encourage her. Keep encouraging her. She doesn't ever ask for encouragement. She always wants to be behind the scenes. But I'm afraid we're going to lose her because she is a grandmother. And you know how grandmothers are. So let's um, appreciate her always. She's awesome. She is awesome. And she has an awesome granddaughter, and we're really proud of Kristen and Mark for Mark is the son of our associate, right. our preacher. Yep. We have two preachers, and he is the son of Paul Owen and Tammy. Mm -hmm. 
So um, this is uh, a famous baby in the West Huntsville family. All babies are famous, yes. but this baby is um, has got some genes that go back. Yes. And his uh, grandfather is an elder in this body. Mm -hmm. His other grandfather is a preacher in this body. So uh, her, 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 not his, her grandfathers are important people in this body. And we know that... Um, that through the providence of God, the prayers of faithful people, and the diligence of parents and grandparents, that Luna is going to grow up and do great things in the she body. Is. So let's pray, and we will look forward to next time. Father, we are humbled and awed by your providence. We thank thee that this study is going to Canada. We thank Thee that this study is going to South America. We thank Thee that it is going into the Philippines. And we thank Thee that it is going into the Pacific Islands. Thankful that it's going into Alaska and Hawaii. And we're thankful that it is going to Australia and New Zealand, parts of Europe. Father, we are thankful for the many hundreds of women who are doing this study in the United States of America. We need this study in the United States of America. We need all Bible study in our United States of America. Father, we do not overestimate our importance because we are nothing we are filthy rags, but you are powerful. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword, and the armor of God fits us for battle, even in our culture that has gone awry. Father, we pray. We, do, we cannot estimate properly, accurately, the power that's in your word, we pray, Father, that you will bless every podcast, every blog, every question of every lesson, every heart that's plugged into this study, Father, and help us to make it not just a, a, a rote exercise, but something that has practical application for us every day that helps us to be better wives, better mothers, better grandmothers, better daughters, better sisters, and help us, Father, to constantly appreciate the safety net that is in your church. We are so thankful that you translated us out of darkness and into the kingdom of your dear Son. Pray for every one of our families. We pray especially for Jennifer's new little granddaughter, Luna Gray Owen. We pray, Father, that you will bless her parents and bless her grandparents and help them, Father, to have wisdom every single day of her life that they will direct her little heart toward heaven. And that, Father, one day she will grow up and direct little hearts toward heaven, that the generations may roll on until the trumpet blows, Father, and that generations of Benavides and Owens will be around your throne. 
Father, we pray that for the Collies, and we pray that for the Wakefields, and we pray that for all of us who are able to influence future generations. It's a big thing, Father, and something that we cannot do without you, without your word, without your power, without your wisdom, and we pray diligently for that. Father, we pray for those who are ailing. Pray for my dad. We pray for those, for Robert Taylor, for those others who have been mentioned on our Digging Deep for Encouragement wall. We pray, Father, for those who are on our prayer list at this time, and we pray that you will bless those who are making medical decisions and those who are caring for them. And, Father, may the best results be. We're so thankful for the promise that all things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And, Father, we pray that you will bless our weaknesses and help our physical weaknesses to become our spiritual strengths and help us, Father, to encourage each other Bless us that we will take the things that we are learning and that we will evangelize with them and that we will be stronger and stronger for you and that we will be able to resist the fiery darts of the wicked one. It's in the name of Jesus who gave his blood so that all this could happen that we pray. Amen. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. This is a Digging Deep in God's Word production, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.